what's the most you made on an ASIN, a single ASIN? I probably like a hundred grand profit on it. Oh wow. Um, actually, I'm gonna show it to you. It's on my shelf. Let me grab it real quick. Oh, Bolo, here we go. Confident in it being profitable and being good. I'm not speculating anymore. I like totally, totally turned off the speculation. Like, oh, this is gonna be good in a month because so and so, da da da. Nope, I'm not buying it. If it isn't good and I don't feel that it's gonna sell good now, I'm not messing with it. Plug my holes. It's like, yeah, it's cool to like grow your business and sales, but it's like the bigger I get, it's like the more I'm finding ways I'm losing money in other areas. If you focus on the inputs, you're probably gonna get the outputs, but if you only focus on the output, I mean, you might not get that, you know, but if you yeah. focus on what you're doing day to day, guarantee you're going to get something for whatever you want to do. So I do think when you're in business or doing anything, really, the idea to be flexible and be able to pivot is just really helpful. Like crap, I'm going to probably lose, you know, freaking 20K on the side. I paid 30 for it. <laughs> but we're not doctors. We're not yeah, doctors. Not a Dude, doctor. Talk to your physician before you do anything crazy. <laughs> All that, like that, like progression. Like, what'd you do this year? Like, 1.5? 1. 1.6 uh, 1. is uh, 2023. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. You <laughs> 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 forgot about that 100 grand. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. I have my good friend Jameson on the podcast. He is a beast of an Amazon seller. I think I saw somewhere he's done over $7 million selling on Amazon. Um, he does a lot of retail arbitrage, toy expert, and just a great guy. We pretty much talk daily. Um, so what's up? What's going on, guys? What's up? What's up? How you guys doing? Good. 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 How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to hear it. You want to give uh, people like a little background of how you got started selling on Amazon and kind of what your business looks like now? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I started like a lot of other people, um, like 15 years ago doing eBay part time. Um, ended up uh, getting into drugs and stuff like that. Became addicted to drugs. Uh, ended up getting fired from my job, evicted from my apartment, lost my eBay account. Kind of drifted through life for like four or five years playing World of Warcraft in my basement. And then after just kind of living like a loser for so many years, I decided to go and get a job. And unfortunately, nobody would hire me. Um, I tried for like a year and a half, two years to get a job. Interview, second interview, nobody would call me back. Um, I slowly got back into eBay, eventually found Amazon, started Amazon with uh, maybe $100, $200. Um, and kind of just grinded at that. Um, I started, you know, before there was like any courses, YouTube videos or anything like that. And just kind of just grinded and trialed and errored and had to, you know, make all the mistakes on my own. I don't even think like Keeper was around when I started. So you just like, I remember like walking around the stores, I printed up a rank chart of all the 1% ranks in each category. And that's how I would base my buys off of like, oh, okay, well, toys 1% rank is 500,000. So anything that's 500K rank or whatever the rank was, I'm buying all those toys, you know, and a lot of it wouldn't sell, some would. Um, so it was a lot of trial and error and I just, you know, pushed through it, kept at it, slowly got involved in, you know, doing, you know, more into Facebook and, you know, meeting other friends and stuff that did this Instagram and then just grinded at it for many, many years. Um, and then this year for 2024, um, I'm on pace to do, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can do about 2 million in sales, uh, for 2024. Wow. That's, that's amazing. How do you okay. notice like that, like progression? Like, what'd you do this year? Like 1.5? Uh, 1.6 is uh, 2023. 
Oh, sorry. Excuse me. We <laughs> 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 forgot about that hundred grand. Oh, um, <laughs> so, how do you plan to go from one point six to two million? Like, how are you thinking about it differently, or are you just building on um, so your past? Back in October, um, my fiance quit her job and came on full time with me. So mm-hmm. now I have her to help prep, ship. Stuff like that. I'm teaching her how to source. When, when I when we go on road trips and we go sourcing, I bring her into the store and I we're scanning together and I'm teaching her everything that I know as I go. So that way, you know, eventually in 2024, I'll be able to get her to shop, you know, on her own here, mm-hmm. and then also to help me ship and everything like that and create shipments and stuff. So I think having her on full time this year, I don't see a problem being able to go from 1.6 to, to 2 million this year, having a second pair of hands and then teaching them along the way as we you know build it together. What does your split look like between RA and OA? I, I think you're an RA guy a lot, right? Um, it's so all over the board. So when I'm not traveling and doing RA road trips, like I'm maybe 5% RA. Like if I stay home for like three months, I'll probably do RA maybe four times in three months. Um, like I'll do like, you know, like one day a month and go out all day long and, you know, get what I can. And then it's like my city's like, I'm not good with, you know, you know it doesn't replenish enough or whatever. But when we do RA, RA road trips, I'm 100% RA, very little OA from the phone or computer when I'm at my hotel room. And then I'm, I do a decent amount of wholesale in between also. Yep. And I'm, I'm assuming the reason for the heavy o, RA is probably because the margins are much better, right? If you're doing like the road trip type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly it's just the, the, with the, tr- the expense of traveling, it yeah. eats up a lot of the profits. Like I still, it's still profitable. Um, I more so do the RA road trips because I enjoy traveling. Like I just love yeah. to be able to travel and I can, you know, pay my bills at home and pay my bills on the road and then maybe turn a small profit. But I'm honestly, if I stuck and like learned OA a lot better, I'd probably be better, you know, with my time to stay home and make more money doing that. But I, I love just being able to travel and stuff. So I just kind of stick with that just because it's fun. And it's smart too. I mean, if you were doing just OA at home, you probably just use the profits to travel anyway. So you might as yeah, well use exactly. So it's, yeah. you know, yeah. So it, it, yeah, I, I, yeah, it evens out. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You get to write a lot of that off too because you're traveling for work. Yeah, or miles, business. food, hotel, you know, events and stuff like that, dinners and everything. So it, almost all of it gets written off. You know, as long as we're you know working and stuff, shopping and shipping and stuff. Yeah, I've actually never thought about that until that, you might be the first person I've heard, like, I guess, do that type of thing. It makes a ton of sense because you're almost going on a vacation where you're still running your business and it's a write off. And yeah, that's like an amazing way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I love it. How much do you th- would you think? I mean, it probably depends on location, obviously. But how much would you think an RA trip would cost you? And like, how much do you think you would make on it? Um, Obviously, it depends on what you're finding. But yeah, like, let's say I, I take a, I don't know, let's say I take a 30 day road trip. I would say it will probably, it probably runs. I mean, if I'm staying at hotels or Airbnbs the entire trip, I don't have any, like I'm not staying with any other friends, family, or resellers along the way. Um, I would say it costs between, I would say probably 350 to $400 a day to survive, you know, because hotels have gotten a lot more expensive. When I used to do road trips, you know, five, six years ago, I'd be getting holiday in for like 70 bucks a night. And now it's like, you're in the middle of nowhere staying at the Roach Motel for 150, you know, like, like, so it gets a little challenging. 
But yeah, I'd say usually we can get a hotel for about, you know, 120 to 180 a night. Um, obviously, I try to get the best hotel for the cheapest money every night. And then you got to factor in gas and then also, you know, eating and stuff like that. So it's, it's about 350 to 400 bucks a day just to, to, you know, to survive each day on the road. And then also, obviously, I'm still paying bills at home while I'm on the road, too. So you have to you have to make a decent amount of profit just to, you know, be able to withstand both of those, you know, heavy expenses, which we can do because, like, obviously, if I source at home, I'm hitting the same stores. I'm not able to make that profit at every single time I go. But if we go to a new city, I can hit the stores once, go to the next city, hit the stores once. And then I may not come back for six months or a year. And by the time I come back, there's new stuff or it's replenished or whatever. Mm. So that way I can do it again. So. Um, it, it, it evens out pretty good. And I've, I've spent a lot of time learning, you know, all the good, rare, old toys, old video games and stuff like that, where the ROI on that stuff can be a lot higher, which can, you know, withstand the expenses, expenses on the trip. I feel like that's probably like a good strategy too. Cause that's what I used to do with books. Like I would thrift like my area, obviously pretty much daily, but then mm-hmm. I would go to like philly i go to dc i would go to all these different places and i would just like google like where the thrift stores are and go to these places and you're basically taking like a mini trip for books mm-hmm. it's a lot easier because it's like the profit's much higher yeah you're paying like a dollar per but mm-hmm. the cool thing about that like what jogged my memory it's like oh i haven't been here in six months there's probably tons of stuff that people like didn't scan or mm-hmm. left behind so then i go if you do a really good job scanning especially for books you could pick up a ton but if you're going to the same spot every day or every week the less likely that people are leaving stuff behind especially if you're good at what you do because you're taking mm-hmm. all of it yeah. it's pretty slim yeah yeah definitely definitely and when you're doing the ra stuff is your is your ra and your oa catalog kind of the same or do you do different ra and different oa because i know the the common conception i guess is you learn the ra and then you take it to oa but is yours split that way or is it you know um the oa is completely different because everything that i'm doing ra for that's not everything but i would say probably i don't know 95 percent of the stuff i do ra you can't get oa anymore because i i go i do a lot of like one-off mom and pop you know toy stores and stuff like that and so, like, they're carrying stuff that's been, you know, discontinued for, you know, one, two, three, four, five years off the market where you can't even find that stuff anymore. And then, so, so OA, I'm honestly, OA, I'm not good at. I'd say that's probably my weakest point when it comes to sourcing for Amazon. Like, I might, like, have a really, really good month where I source with, say, I don't know, I spend 15 grand doing OA one month. And then I might go the next three months and spend maybe five grand total. Like, so, and, and that's probably very, very low. Do you, if you guys doing OA, I'm sure you're probably spending way more than that every month. And so um, I can only, I only seem to do well at it if there's a good deal or like maybe some, you know, like Walmart comes in on a really rare item and I'm able to just scoop up a couple hundred of them. Like sometimes I might spend 5K one month and it's like one OA by one toy, but I got, you know, a hundred of them or 500 of them or something. So yeah, my OA game is pretty weak, honestly. <laughs> I feel like that could, that's a big advantage though. I almost feel like, cause no one really wants to do RA. Like everyone's flocking to OA. I feel like yeah. when I started books, everyone was just like, Oh, like if you want to, there, I don't know. It was five. There probably was OA, but not like it was today. It was basically mm-hmm. like you either did books, private label or RA. Yeah. And then yep. there was like, I guess I don't even know when OA came about. I mean, I was, only learned about like three years ago probably i was just doing books 
So you, you, when you're talking about the toys and stuff, I think I was looking through your Instagram. You have some Lego stuff. Are you kind of into the whole Lego investing type of style? Yeah, I tried it. Um, I suck at it. Uh, um, <laughs> I was really bad at it. I mean, I made money overall, but the length that I had to hold some of this stuff for to like make a 10% ROI or break even, like it wasn't worth it. So it was a mixture of inexperience. Like I went into it like, oh man, if I can get, you know, this theme Lego at half off retail, it's going to be worth money in a year or two. Like, so I would just go out like, oh, Harry Potter, oh, Star Wars, you know, Lego friends or whatever. If it was half off retail, I was just buying it and throwing it in my, in my storage. Like, oh man, this is genius. This is the easiest way to, going to be the easiest way to make money. Like, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. Um, I would say overall, I made a little bit of money off everything, but I ended up just taking all my Lego holds that I had, you know, for the last couple of years. And I just sent everything in and I sold it all and just got back my cash that I could get for it. And then I'm just going to, you know, pivot and try something new. Um, just I'll, I'll probably do it a little bit in the future. I just will have to probably be more tight knit on what I do, probably go after more store exclusives and stuff like that. Um, cause it just, yeah, overall, I just wasn't happy with the results on it. Dude, that's exactly what I would say about it. I did a bunch of that in 2020 and I had so many in my closet and I'm like, I'm just going to send these out. Like how, am I going to hold these for six years to get 40% or whatever? It, exactly. It makes, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, a, it feels like it's propagated on social media that it's like the greatest opportunity. And when you see it, you're like, this is pretty easy. But I think a lot of those guys that talk about it are experts in it. So yeah. to them it's easy, but we make one bad buy of a hundred Legos and then now you wiped out, even if you do make money on a bunch of the other ones. So I came to the same conclusion i'm like yep. this is worth my time <laughs> yeah definitely no it isn't it's, it's and it's depressing walking by by your room or storage every day and just seeing them there waving at you it's, it's like and they're not about returns like because i have the returns i was using a service now they come back to me and i'm just like in my office just looking at stuff I'm just like, <laughs> like a pile of like two grand right there and it's like what are you gonna do with it like half of it's damaged the other half's like i don't feel like listening on ebay it's just it's a nightmare <laughs> yeah it's it, I, I hate to look at it from this perspective but i have a bunch of returns like literally around me now and i'm like huh this is all the money i've made i've basically been paid in dirty shoes and like broken <laughs> stuff <laughs> like this is pretty bad <laughs> And Legos are even worse. It's like I have 400 Olivia's Cupcake Factories to pay me out for my profit. <laughs> you know, I guess that's just the nature of the game. Yeah, I think that too. A lot of people, there, I feel like there are a lot of Lego investing groups now. You see all mm -hmm. these like blog posts, how Legos beat the S&P. But it's like anything else. It's like they have a couple sets that do really well. Um, but overall, yeah, you don't see the losses as much. Mm -hmm. How do you handle... Um, cash flow if you're doing like a lot of buy and hold or you're holding legos for two years um or you're just selling a lot of other profitable things to kind of just allow for that yeah um again cash flow was definitely not probably one of my strong suits last year i definitely overextended myself on doing long-term holds and i thought like i'd be able to figure it out and um there, there was multiple times where i would run out of cash and like like i remember black friday everybody's you know spending tens of thousands of dollars that day. And I was like, I spent like 10 grand because I, I didn't have enough money to store credit cards for Mac. So I was like, all right, you know what? Like Amazon's not getting any easier. It's definitely getting more challenging. You know, obviously there's ways for everybody to win, but it's, let's say it's not as easy today as it was three years ago. 
Um, so I was like, all right, I need to pull back. I sat down with uh, my coach and just myself and just went through and I'm like, okay, what's working in this business for me and what's not working? Because I'm hemorrhaging, I'm losing money in so many areas where I'm doing long-term holds, I'm paying storage at my prep, I'm paying two storage units at home. Um, I have, you know, and I was like, dude, I'm spending like, I had like three prep centers that were holding wholesale deals and buys for me and I had storage units and I'm like, I'm spending like, over two thousand dollars a month just on store, not Amazon stores, like between prep centers. I'm like, I'm throwing two grand away just to potentially make money on this stuff one day, like, or like maybe a wholesale buy that didn't work out, where it's like everything lives at Ikea. You did a group buy with people, and then just next thing you know, it just goes to crap. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have to reassess the way I run my business and my life. Um, you know, so I decided to just cut, cut, cut the losses on a, like almost everything I had sitting in storages and stuff and just started selling down, selling down, selling down. And now I'm, you know, I paid down a bunch of my debt, paid down a bunch of credit cards. A lot of them are back down to zero. And I'm now I'm just using cash now to source. Uh, I mean, I'm using my spark card, but then I'm paying it off right away. So I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to get caught up in that where I'm like my credit, my credit debt's getting too much for the amount of cash that I have. So um, I really kind of like set back on buying this year and I'm like very focused on what I'm buying and I make sure I'm only buying it if I feel 100% confident in it being profitable and being good. I'm not speculating anymore. I like totally, totally turned off the speculation like, oh, this is going to be good in a month because so-and-so, da-da-da. Nope, I'm not buying it. If it isn't good and I don't feel that it's going to sell good now, I'm not messing with it. So I'm really, I, I've got, I went from like two grand a month in storage paying to I think now I think I'm down to about 800 a month in storage between all my storage units and prep centers and stuff like that now. So I cut it in over half by selling down inventory and getting cash. And I'm going to continue to get those down lower. I'm going to, I have two big, I have two $300 storage units that I'm in the process of getting down to one unit. And that'll be just like my wholesale replan. I just replan that every couple of months when my wholesale stuff sells down. Um, and I'm really just, you know, trying to like, plug my holes because like yeah it's cool to like grow your business and sales but it's like the bigger i get it's like the more i'm finding ways i'm losing money in other areas because i'm so focused on like trying to sell 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 so i'm like all right you know what even if i don't sell if i sell less this year than i did last year i would rather fix my mistakes because then i'm going to make more money at the end of the day so like this year it's more on just learning how to fix my mistakes plug my holes where i'm leaking and you know so good thing now that i have my fiance on with me she's a lot better at like spreadsheets and keeping track and stuff like that so like she can help me in those areas to where i suck at you know <laughs> yeah and the i think the mental game of not having all that debt compared to your cash also helps it keeps you in a it better really state does. i think that you I, I noticed myself getting well i've never i've took the stance of always trying to be like that but even when it gets close it's like man i need to drop some prices or i need to find some way better deals when sometimes it's just like not possible to really do mm-hmm. that it gets you like all messed up because you're like i don't even know if i'm gonna have money next month or whatever i think that's like a such a common cycle a lot of people get into so i think that's a very important point that anyone can really take from that yeah yeah it's easy to get lost in this business and the buys and just you know shopping and like oh crap i'm out of money you know it's super easy to do that yeah, I think too, especially if you have like three different storage units and like all these prep centers, it's either for stuff to just get lost. Like, did I buy that? Is it coming to my house? Is it going there? I think, yeah, as the business grows, ideally you're making more money. But yeah, I I don't know. For me, as I when I real when I scaled it up, I think yeah, you just get lost in the numbers kind of and you almost start to focus on what's going really well and kind of mm-hmm. forget about 
that stuff that's not selling or that isn't yep. being repraised. You're like, oh, I just got to get more of this. And, oh, I should get more of this. And and then all of a sudden, it's like, where the hell is all the money? And then you look at your inventory, you're like, oh, like a quarter of this isn't moving at mm-hmm. all. Like, I need to get rid of this, like ASAP. Um, yeah, it's just really hard to stay on top of it, especially if, as you grow. When you have 100 ASINs, it's not that bad. But mm-hmm. as you scale up and climb and, you know, I think a lot of people underestimate too. It's like stuff like sells good. And sometimes for me, it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I probably sold out of that. But there's like one or two hanging out that mm-hmm. like didn't catch the buy box. And then you end up with all these ones and twos. And it's like really annoying to reprice because yep. it's just so annoying. And then they finally sell. It's just, oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> So like when you went through the process of doing that, you said that you cleared out all those storage units. Did you have an estimate beforehand? Because I'm I'm currently going through that. I'm about to have a bunch of returns, all this inventory that I've either held or exact same situation. I'm like, I think I'm going to get this much cash back and two questions on that. So how much did you think? And then how many did you actually get? And then how difficult was it really to liquidate all that stuff? Or did it take longer? Kind of like, where did you think it was going to happen? And then what actually happened with all of it? So... I had all this stuff, a lot. some of this stuff I had for, you know, one to three years. Like, who wants to hold a Lego set for three years and it still be, you know, 10% ROI break even? So I was, like, holding, and I teetered for, like, a year of just all this stuff. Like, oh, man, you know, I, I put so much work and effort into buying this, like, and then it's like, do I dump it? And then I'm like, no, no, I'm being stubborn. I'm just going to hold it. Like, I, I don't want to, like, have to sell it at a loss or break even or make 10% or 20 or whatever. So finally come in like last August, I'm just like, not only is it just a lot of money tied up and all that, but it also like surprising. It's like almost like you're just like stuffing your brain with just trash and just so much stress and just BS. And it's like once like where I'm at now, I feel so much lighter, healthier, happier. I feel like I can operate better as a human. I'm in such a better mood because all that shit is gone. Like, so I just made the, you know what? Q4 is here whether it's good or bad, let's just dump everything that's just sitting here. Let's just get rid of it. And I mean, I mean, it flies, you know, almost, you know, I would say 80% of everything just flew, 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 whether it was profitable, it was a loss. Some stuff I was selling at a 70% loss. Some stuff was a hundred percent. I would say it ended up like all the stuff I had held was probably, I don't know, probably that I did sell was probably, I don't know, maybe 70 to 80 K buy cost. And I probably made with, you know, some of it was at my prep center, so I had to pay them storage. I had to pay them prep to prep the items. And some of the stuff here was, you know, in my storage units here. Um, I probably, probably overall maybe cleared 10% ROI off of everything, like with all the ups and downs, everything, um, which better than a loss. That's just, and now, but honestly, I feel better. Like I, I feel I'm running my business way better 2024 already. Like I'm making good decisions. I'm making good buying decisions. I'm being strategic because like before I'd be like, oh, that's a good buy. Okay, cool. Boom. All right. Thousand units. Not even thinking like, who cares how long it'll take to sell. It'll just be there. I'll trickle them out. And it's like, holy crap. That ends up being a really stupid mistake. So like I've, I've, I'm testing myself work. Like I'll limit myself to like five or 10 units on a buy before mm-hmm. I would not even mess with that. Like, dude, five units. Not even, what am I going to do with five units? I want 500 units, you know? So I'm like trying to like go a little bit wider as opposed to going deep. I'll still go deep when, when the opportunity is right, but I'm trying to spread out. So that way, when I do make a mistake, it's a small mistake now. And honestly, I, I feel much better. I feel this year is going to be the best year yet. 
And honestly, like, I feel like I just like recycled everything in my life. Like I like feel like I turned into a minimalist in a sense because all that inventory is like pretty much gone. Not all of it, but like 80% of it's gone. And I just feel so much better. And I paid down so much debt this year from it. Like it's, it feels amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. You got me motivated. Like uh, I've got, I've got a friend moving up in a week and that's his whole job is going to be like sell everything, Facebook, Amazon, eBay, whatever it is. And I was hoping that that would be the conclusion of it. I'm happy to hear you say that. Cause I'm like, man, it's, it's so, I don't know what it is. It's about just clutter, I guess, and junk in your life. And then you feel like I can't focus because I have nothing is focused, you know, like nothing's clean. I have all this shit. So my life's going to be kind of like, that. that's how I feel. It's like just so much junk. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. You got me motivated now because I'm like, I need to get rid of this stuff. It's going to help me. So that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely feel that with the returns for sure. Because you're just every day, like one or two comes and then it's like, oh, like, I don't want to get rid of this. Or you're just compiling them and eventually it just like adds up. And then you just Mm -hmm. have like two, three, four grand worth of returns just sitting here. And it's always painful to send it in because a lot of the stuff with books, it didn't matter because you just send it back in or DVD. But now once something's opened, like I'm not selling anything used on Amazon. So it's now it's almost a loss. The for Christmas, I just did like a big secret Santa with all the stuff. It's just because like some of the stuff's just not worth sending back in Mm -hmm. or trying to. I don't know. I have a hard time. Like a lot of people tell me, oh, you just have to get whatever you can for it. But I don't know if I almost feel sometimes I'm throwing good, good money, my mm-hmm. time for bad. What am I going to do? List it on eBay and get my like $5 back, but spend an hour <laughs> like taking pictures, listing it, shipping it out. If someone on Amazon returned it, the eBay person could have a problem with it. Am I going to plug everything in? And it's just too much for me. So I think this year I'll make a decision to either one, just lot it all up in a big Home Depot box or maybe a Staples box because Jameson's giving me shit that I should be using Staples <laughs> boxes um, and sell it on Facebook Marketplace for like a hundred bucks for the box as like Amazon returns or maybe through doing that, find a partnership with someone who will like sell it on eBay or something like that. Cause one thing I have noticed too, it's always nice to have, Oh, a lot of people are like, Oh, you have an extra stream with eBay. It's extra money. But like, you also have to manage that. It's yeah. one more thing to manage one more, more customer. That's more hands-on something to take pictures of. And then it just takes your focus off of the big picture, Amazon. And as long as you're running a profitable business and, you try to sell things that don't get returned, but it just happens. I do think people waste a lot of time trying to get everything back when mm-hmm. they would just be better off taking the write off the loss and getting rid of it or selling yeah. it in bulk or just giving it away. And I think the mental clarity too, for me is just, this is done. It's a write off. That's it. It's getting out of the house. I'm not looking at it anymore. And I'm going to try to really do that this like my girlfriend like really helped me out. She was listing it on Facebook marketplace, but then people just cancel and you know, it's like, Oh, I'm doing a podcast. And it's like, Oh, can someone come at like two 30? It's like, like, no, like it's just um, too annoying for me. 
I think what I'm going to do, I don't know if this is smart. I want to just try it out, but I think like maybe twice a year, I'm going to start doing like a garage sale where I just try That's... to recoup cash for all my returns, all my broken stuff, everything that just doesn't work out. And then like whatever doesn't sell at that point, then, you know, donate find it. some way just to get rid of it at that point, whether you just write it off, you donate it, you throw it in a big box, say here, hundred dollars for all this crap. Um, and then I think a mixture with that too, because so many resellers go to garage sales. Like I feel you could meet resellers if you host a mm. garage sale. You could just find someone that will just buy all your inventory for you, um, yep. which is great. I, I have a guy which, um, that I actually, I have all my Amazon removal orders and returns go directly to my eBay guy and he lifts it on eBay for me. And then we just split it 50-50, whatever he gets mm. after fees and shipping. So I don't even have to see it. I don't know about how, how how you guys mentally handle it, but I freaking cannot stand where I get back a return and they either swapped it out or like or like it's a two hundred dollar Lego set and a cold label is slapped. Like I just freaking makes me so mad to see happened to me the other mid condition Lego set with a big square label cut out on it. Like I I just pisses me off to see that. Or like they buy a pair of shoes and then they return two left shoes. Like where's the extra left shoe and why did you steal the right one? <laughs> you know. And I just I got the, the, just the annoyance of that. Like I know it's like small cost of biz, doing business. It's very yeah. small in the grand scheme of things. We're making money, but it still just pisses me off when I see dishonesty like that. So I, I post my eBay guy. I don't even gotta see it. He sells it, and I just get a few hundred bucks a month from whatever he's selling, and and it makes it easy. And then. Um, I, I definitely am going to do the garage sale thing this year when the weather gets a little bit warmer. I just want to test it out, see if you know, profitable in the sense of am I going to, can I recoup a good amount more money doing this maybe twice a year as opposed to just donating it or selling it by the box to someone. And I want to try to meet some resellers that I can hopefully connect with locally that I can say, hey, every you know month come through, buy this, and then you know you can you can just take it or whatever. Well, I, I have a, a, little, a little trick for that. Um, if you get on eBay, this is something I did when I was really, I was moving apartments. So I was like, I had to get rid of stuff. Get mm -hmm. on eBay and look at like what you had. So at the moment I had shoes, a lot of shoes. I would look up Nike shoes and then sort the location within 20 miles oh, and then message all those yo. sellers. And then now the oh, problem no. I ran into, which this is a funny story. And this <laughs> might make me sound like a bit of an asshole, but I got this, this person that came over and they ran this, like they said, big email business, but Big like eBay business and what we would do on Amazon is far different. I learned, and he was like, "Yeah, we have lots of cash and we're ready to like buy your stuff." And I think lots of cash is probably what twenty, thirty grand, something like that. They're ready to buy a lot, and then we get into the deal. They pick out probably eleven thousand dollars worth of stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, I think we can take this probably like fifteen hundred or two k." And I was like. <laughs> You said you had lots of cash, man. You have you have a grand. Like, what are you talking about? So you do have to be careful with who you're getting on there because yeah. they all they knew where I was at, and it's like I just made the worst deal of my life. I lost ninety percent of my my cost on this stuff. But I think that if you get the right seller, and it's not like a penny pincher type of eBay seller, yeah, you could probably yeah. get cash. It's challenging because it's two different mindsets too. Because I'm a completely different. Pro I'm sure you guys noticed. Like if when I was on eBay. Like I don't, I was super stingy in life, mm -hmm. in business, yeah. and like, I like, I didn't care if like this water bottle is worth two hundred. Like I'm not paying more than four dollars for it. You know, like just that, just that. It's a different mindset, and it just like even like in my personal life and my business is I'm a completely different person when I used to be a full time eBay seller to where I am now. It's just different mindset, and you know, because like you're so used to getting stuff so cheap that it's hard to comprehend you spending a hundred dollars on one item when you're getting shoes for a dollar, you know, whatever yeah. coffee cups for a quarter, you know, it's so different. 
way of thinking. So yeah, like I, I, I totally understand that like a lot of money was a grand, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I ran into. I had somebody offer me like quarters for these brand new shoes. I'm like, dude, I'll like at least give me a little bit of retail. For I'm like, this is what you're saying. Is so true. It's just the mindset thing, which I, I just didn't ever think of that. Cause I started on eBay too, but it wasn't, I was selling yeah. new stuff as well, like COVID mm -hmm. stuff. So I didn't get the whole quarter and the dollar stuff. So I just didn't even know that mindset existed. I'm like, how are you guys surviving out here? But I mean, it's part of it. But I think it would work. I mean, I think if you found the right kind of person that sold lots of new stuff, not the used antique stuff, I yeah. think you can do it. And mm -hmm. it's easy to find them. You just, you're populating all the people selling stuff mm -hmm. in your area if you do that. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, thank you for that. I actually really like that tip. I, I, that's, I, I'm going to definitely do that when it comes to hey, you have to let me know if it works or if you get somebody that rips you off. Hopefully you get a good, get a good story out of it. <laughs> I feel like Facebook Marketplace is good for that too. I've definitely done that when I was doing the book business. Like I found a buyer for DVDs, all my dud DVDs, because with the books, when I was doing it, I had a recycler, but they wouldn't take the DVDs and CDs because they're just recycling paper. And I was like, what am I going to do with these? So I started posting like lots of them. I just post a Home Depot boxes. I would get like 10 of them and be like, oh, DVDs, CDs. I was like totally upfront about it. Like, hey, I run an online business. These aren't a good fit for my business you know, let me know. I think I put them at like $40 a box or something and mm -hmm. I think 120 fit in a box. So they're pretty cheap. Yeah. And then this, and people, I guess, I think the markets died down, but they would go and there are these like huge yard sales and people would go sell DVDs there. And I was like, who is buying these? And his biggest customer was like people who RV because there's no oh. Wi-Fi. And they yeah. just buy DVDs to watch, I guess, where they're hanging out or whatever. So he came and I was like, he's like, I'll buy whatever you have. And then we just kind of had this relationship. And eventually he started buying them by the Gaylord. And then wow. I was like, do you buy anything else? He's like, oh, yeah, I have. Basically, he had a warehouse. So he was buying all my Amazon returns. He's only wow. getting like 2 $3 per yeah, thing. Yeah. But, I mean, it is what it it was what it was. I think one of the hardest parts about what a lot of people don't think about is like these Amazon returns is like shipping for mm -hmm. eBay. Like if you want to sell a pair of shoes, it's probably going to cost you like $10, $15 to ship. Yeah. And then you have to do it. And I think what Drew was saying too, just when people are offering or offering you like next to nothing, you're already pissed off because you have these returns and in yeah. a bad mood about it. And you're like, all right, cool. This guy's going to probably, I want like 15, like, I'm good to settle with him at like maybe 7,500. And they're like, how about a thousand? you're like, what? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Uh, it just makes the situation 10 times worse. Yeah. Well, I, we'll wrap back around to something. Um, you said at the beginning, you were saying, you, you know, you had the drug problem and then you did the World of Warcraft for four or five years. Was there a, like a reflection moment in that that kind of made you think? Because I think a lot of people find themselves in these situations where maybe it's not as extreme as that, but you know, you're, you're in this kind of part in life. And I feel like, do you have to hit the rock bottom or the breaking point to make a big change? Or do you think it was more of a gradual change that happened for you back then? Um, I'd say for me, both. Uh, I definitely needed that rock bottom, but after I got sober from drugs, like I didn't change as a person, like what led me to that point. Like I still, had the same mindset towards life, towards people, towards friends, relationships. I was still just a very toxic, unhealthy, just, I don't know, 
piece of crap, honestly. Like I was just a really shitty person. Um, like the, now, when I the more addicted I got to the drugs, the worst decisions I made to get those drugs. You know, like I would never consider myself someone. I mean, I'm an honest person. I don't steal, but like I got, I resulted to stealing and breaking into houses when I got to that, which I was never that person. But it's like you get to that point with drugs where it's like the withdrawal gets so bad that it's like you will do anything almost to not have to feel what it feels like to withdraw from painkillers. And so you start doing stupid things just because you want to avoid. You don't even get, you don't even do it to get high. You just do it to avoid withdrawal. And I went to rehab four times. Eventually, after the fourth try, I stayed sober. But then I stayed in that crappy life. I was still, you know, just being a loser, a mooch, horrible mindset, like not dealing with past traumas and BS and the way I was raised and everything. And I still had the mindset where I blamed everybody else. And so it was a gradual change. Um, I think I was probably, I don't even know, maybe I'm, I'm 41 now. I was probably 33-ish when I was like 32-ish where I was like, okay, like clearly my life sucks and I'm the reason for that. Like one thing I, I will still always like give a lot of love to like Gary Vee. It says like he preaches personal responsibility. Take everything in your life is your fault. And like that really stuck with me because like, dude, my life sucked and it was because of me. It was because of the decisions I made. And so I slowly learned from that. It was like one stepping thing. And then I got into, you know, all the other motivational speakers, Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, and stuff like that. And started buying the books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all that stuff. And then started going to Tony Robbins' events, you know, hired a coach. And this was, you know, all over between now. I still have that coach. And it was like, you know, I'm eight, nine years into my self-development phase. And every day I'm, you know, learning, getting better, still growing. And honestly, like, I would say one of the biggest things about changing was me taking personal responsibility for my actions. Like, it's not your fault for how you're born, what you're born into. You can't control that you're a baby, whatever. But, like, once you're a grown adult, you're a man, you're a grown adult, and you still live like that, like, that's 100% your fault. Like, you can change that. You can kick the people out of your life. You can grow. You can heal. You can get healthy. Like, if you're still around toxic people that do shitty things, well, then... You know, and you're an adult and you're blamed. Like, no, that's your fault. You can remove yourself from that. It may take time. It may take years to save up enough money, get a job, blah, 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 do all the things to get out of that. But you can leave that. Like, I had to cut every single person off of my life from 10 years ago, from drugs, all the unhealthy people. I don't really talk to any of those people anymore. And I haven't seen any of them. I had to literally, I got in my car and I drove away from Minnesota where I lived. And I had, I haven't seen family, friends, mom. Like, I literally had to turn my back on everybody to get healthy. And, you know, now where I'm at now, I'm, it was one of the ha hardest, best decisions I ever made. And I don't regret any of it. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing well, story. Yeah. The personal responsibility stuff. I, I'm really, I've been big on that recently of telling people that stuff. I think it's, maybe it's just difficult for people to grasp, but she said it even took you up to 33 years old, right. To do that. But yeah, I guess it's, it's almost like a protection mechanism to just yeah. excuses, excuses. It's not ever my fault. But well, maybe it's not actually your fault, but it's definitely your responsibility. Like no mm -hmm. matter what happens to you, there's some way that you can perceive it. Like I like how Hormozy looks at all of it too. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of these problems that are negative, it's like it's only negative because you think it's negative. It's not mm -hmm. actually negative. Whatever. If it was a different time period, it could be off positive. You know what I mean? So it is your review on things and what's actually happened in your life. So mm. I love that story, man. It's amazing. Yeah, I was watching a podcast with you on it and you were breaking it down. I'm like, I got to hear more on this because I think there's like more to pull out of it, especially, which I think you did a great job at that. So Thank yeah, it's you. awesome. Yeah. I also think like Hermosi would say, even if it's not your fault, it's now your problem. 
Mm. So it doesn't even matter. So you got to fix it. Yeah. Or do wherever I like that. you got to do awesome. where you're at. Yeah, but your body's, it's like your mind, and your body's really telling you, I think it's protecting you from doing that because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to look in the mirror and go like, all this is my like problem here. I have to it's, deal with it. So yeah, it's sometimes it takes, yeah. yeah. It's, super and it's something I, had, I guess uh, you have to work on, right? Yeah. And uh, my, my, I had, uh, you know, in the mixture of all that, like I ended up stopped talking to my dad like 20 years ago and he reached out to me like a year or a year and a half ago. Um, I think he said, like, he found a YouTube video of me or something like that. And he just uh, reached out, Hey, proud of you, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I, and I was like, you know, I haven't spoke, I haven't seen him in 20 years. You know, do I want to have this conversation? You know, he, he gave me his number and I was kind of like, do I want to, you know, do I, you know, like one, do I need him in my life? No. Two, is there anything he can teach me or help me become a better person at this point in my life? No. But I was like, you know what? I talked to my coach. He was like, you know, you may, maybe on the surface, this is, you don't, want to do it or don't need to do it but he's like you're going to grow some way shape or form for having this conversation with your father so i was like okay i reached out to him we ended up talking on the phone for like an hour um and you know we, we had a good conversation he, he apologized for being a crappy dad and you know and all that stuff and then he was you know i was telling him about my life story a little bit and how i got to where i am and i had this similar conversation and i think it didn't change like the personal responsibility and then after the, my 15 minute spiel of how I changed my life. He was like, yeah, man. And then his response was, yeah, things just in life just didn't really work out for me. I had a lot of bad. I'm just like, mm. I just had a 15 minute conversation with you, how I changed my life and how I got to where I'm at. And then he's just like, yeah, he was like, just, it's, a, it's just a protection thing. Maybe subconscious, like, you know, just he was blaming everybody else around him. Like he tried, he like tried to do it in a different way to make it sound like he wasn't, but he was. And I'm just like, and he's like 60, five i don't know 60 something years old he's pretty old like not healthy i don't think and i was just kind of like damn like you know and I, I was cool we had the conversation it was you know good for growth and stuff like that and you know it's always nice to like kind of remember where you came from and all that stuff but i was just like man it's like when you get to that age and you still haven't taken personal responsibility it's like man like are you you know like it was just like kind of like a kick in the face like dang like, I, you know, like you could be 60 and still not take personal, personal responsibility for your actions as a man. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, I struggle sometimes because I, I give lots of advice like that, too. You're, I'm sure it, it seems like you're probably similar to me in that way. You're, you're go, you go on spills. You try to give people like, listen, this is the reality. This is how you can fix things. And like, it, it seems no one wants to listen to you about anything. And I almost battle sometimes with like, am I just wasting my breath overall? And no matter what I say to some people, it's just going to take a cataclysmic moment in their life to change it or some low point, which is sad, I think, in the reality to, yeah. to think in that. Like, all this stuff that I see that could change, all these things that could change, it's like maybe nothing at the end of the day could happen until really something bad happens, which is like, in my opinion, like really sad, but yeah. it might just be the way of the road, which I'm sure you've mm -hmm. seen similar things, especially mm -hmm. with a more extreme background and that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's too, like not taking the responsibility, especially like I hated my job for so long and it was just like, well, this is on you. Like you choose to come here every day. I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of times you're just like, well, I have to go. It's like, well, you don't have to do anything. Like maybe you, you, you know, you need the money, but it doesn't mean you have to go to your job. A lot of people say, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. I was like, no. And it was like more like, well, this is on you. I remember mm -hmm. that was the first thing I just moved to Pennsylvania. I basically blew through all my savings 
Um, and I was like, I just couldn't live in New York anymore and basically start mm-hmm. over. And I get to my job or whatever. I finally get it. I turn, it turns out they only pay like once a month and the next pay isn't for like 30 days. And I get my car inspected and I need new tires. And it was like 1200 bucks. And I remember just sitting there being like this, like knot in my stomach. Like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, I wasn't going to call my parents or anything like, but it was just more like, it's not like I could work overtime. It was a marketing job, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you're stuck. Like you have yeah. no way to make money. Like, what the hell are you going to do? Like, I had like the thousand dollars. I was like, well, I put it on a credit card and then hopefully when I get paid, like, it will be fine. Mm -hmm. But you're going through life. You're like, oh, I hope nothing happens. Like if something else, it was just a shitty way to live. And now it's like, I always remember every time I need new tires, like I hate to pay for it, but it's like, damn, like I remember when I couldn't pay for this, where it was a real (laughs) struggle. And I'm glad, like, I'm just not sitting at that desk job anymore because what I feel with that, it's sometimes i know it's an unpopular like a thing to do and there's definitely a lot of people who crush it who work in these like big companies and make a shitload of money but just the idea that i mean i guess amazon's like our faith is in amazon's hands but we all have like things we could monetize god mm-hmm. forbid something went wrong with amazon and i think just the ability to take responsibility for your finances and be able to change it yeah. um is just a huge thing and i would encourage anyone watching this even just even you could just sell stuff in your house or do whatever because if you have the ability to make money you'll always be fine it's like when you're relying on a boss or a lot of people learn like during covid when they shut down the office or couldn't go to work that they didn't no one cared about them and it is what it was and then if you're like worked at a business that got shut down your best place to work would be a similar business, but they're all shut down. So mm-hmm. the idea to be able to make your own money or at least try to do it and just take responsibility for it and like kind of start where you're at, I think is really underrated. And I think a lot of people, I thought it was stupid to scam books or sell furniture. I was embarrassed. I'm like emailing like this old ladies like, Oh, can I get the chairs you have for $40 for $10 in hopes I could sell them for 20 and then that turns into this huge like Amazon business like years later. But if I never took that first step, like I wouldn't know, I wouldn't even know you guys probably. Yeah. 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 I think another important point to talk, what you were talking about earlier about leaving the life behind stuff is, you know, how do you go about today of not letting toxic people in your life, especially with social media? I'm sure you're getting hit up by a lot of different people wanting connections to be made. How do you like kind of keep that circle and the peace like together and not let those toxic people, even if, you know, sometimes it doesn't seem as toxic, you know, on the outside, but is there a kind of a system you have for that? Or I'm sure you have a really good bullshit detector at this point for people, but yeah. How do you kind of look at that type of thing nowadays? Yeah, definitely. That's that's a good question. Um, I have gotten so good at just, you know, building healthy friendships and relationships now that like I very, very, very rarely, attract anybody toxic like i think the toxic people are just maybe see and they're like all right let's just go another direction like i rarely have any issues with friends like i don't hang out you know i don't really talk to people that are like gossiping or like talk crap or like people that are like constantly in like battles or arguments with other people and stuff like i just don't deal with any of that like no one ever comes to me to gossip and no one ever comes with me comes at me with drama like no one's like not even like a buddy of mine would be like dude i'm dealing with this this blah, 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 blah. you know like tell, like people don't even come with me 
that stuff because I'm a drama-free zone. So like once you stop allowing or entertaining gossip and drama, people will stop coming at you with it, even to talk to you about it or tell you about it. Like, oh, so-and-so sold this for me to do this, to do this, blah, 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 blah. They don't even come to me anymore because they know I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm shut that down. Bring that somewhere else. Like if you're not – like I don't, I don't mind hearing my friend's problems when they're dealing with an issue, but like if you're talking about that same problem, for like six months and you haven't tried to change it okay well then let's sit down and have a discussion like maybe we're not aligned to be friends maybe i should go over here you go over there because clearly you're not trying to do anything to solve that problem and so i very rarely get people who come at me with bs but like you know like obviously there there are some toxic people everywhere you go especially you know even like you know you go to amazon events you go to networking events you go to conventions or whatever like you're going to run into people and i'm always friendly nice cordial to everybody that i meet and then, you know, if I align with people, I may spend more time with them. And if I align with them less, then I won't, you know, I'll, you know, I won't spend as much time with them. But, you know, obviously, like, you're in groups of people. Sometimes at Amazon events, you know, some people can be a little crazy. Some people are cool. And it's like, you know, if it's, like, for a night, a year, or here or there, like, obviously, you can tolerate everybody in the group. And you can focus in that group where all the, you know, where, where you, the good energy is. So, it's you know, eventually it becomes natural where you just, you know, people don't come at you with it. And then you... People don't even, even on Instagram, like I rarely get any BS coming at me just because I just, you know, think they go a different direction and I just, you know, do a good job of just not attracting that stuff. Yeah. It sounds like kind of like you set boundaries for what you tolerate. Yeah. I mean, eventually it's kind of just in the air that the boundaries are set and then people just don't come to you with that type of stuff anymore. Uh, exactly. I love exactly. Yeah. Cause people will treat you how you allow them to treat you. Like if you set up a, you know, say you guys are going to meet for coffee and you're like, okay, let's be there at 12. And then one guy's there at 12 and the other guy shows up at 1230. And then he shows up at 1230. And then you just have the conversation with him like nothing happened. Then the next time you meet at 12 o'clock, that guy's mm. going to continue to show up late because you allowed him to. You set that boundary like, hey, like my time is important. Your time is important. You said you'd be here at 12. You weren't. Okay. You know, please, you know, don't allow that to happen again. And if it happens again, okay, well, guess what? I don't think I'm going to set any more time to hang out with you. And then you don't hang out with that person anymore if they're not going to respect you as a person. Because once they don't, once they don't ever suck you, then you know it's like, you know, it's like, you know, another one too. This is kind of a little bit left field, but like, I don't hang out with people who cheat. Like, whether you're a man or a woman, you're in a, you know, you're married or whatever, mm. and you have children and you're like cheating on yourself. And so once in a while, you'll kind of hear about it or see about it at, you know, it within the community over the years. It, you hear stories and things, and I just if I hear something about that person like doing something like that, like I'll just not even entertain being having a conversation with them because like you owe your wife or your husband that commitment to your children to be a leader provider whatever whatever and you can screw them over like there's no telling what you're going to do to me like you owe yeah. them something you don't owe me anything so if you if you have a if you can go out and do that to them there's no telling what you're going to do to me so i don't even want to even say hello to you i'm not even shaking your hand like you know so it's like just learn everything that you will tolerate what you won't tolerate you know Stick with people who align with your morals and values, and honestly, like you're, everything's going to work out good, you know. And just, people, once they look, know your boundaries, and you're not a person to put up with that BS, like they won't, they won't even come and bother you with it. Yeah, it's just, it's so they, it's all just so extremely important. It's almost like uh, I, I try to say like it's two strike rule. Like they can mess up once, mm. but after the second time, because really three's too much. Like if someone's going to mess up once and, and redo the action, you're, you're completely right. They lose. It's complete total respect. I've even told my friends this about like girls and stuff. It's like, man, if, if, if it's twice, you obviously have to know what's going on. They just don't respect your time. They don't respect this. And then from then on out, you've set a precedent for that relationship that you're not a person to respect, whether exactly. it be a friend or a girl or whatever it is. 100%. Yeah, that's, 
So I think so yeah. much aligns too with this. We'll, we'll speak for you know men in our you know like uh, in business and in relationships, and dating. So much stuff goes hand in hand of you know what you know because like of like you know you can you know like say you set up a date with a woman and she bails on you. Like to me, like if I'm single and I'm dating, like you know if she doesn't push to set up another time to to fix it, then clearly she's not interested. And two, if you continue to chase her, be like hey, hey, when can we go? She's not going to respect you as a man or in the relationship. Like you, you don't want to hang out. Like, yeah. Spend time with women that want to be around you. Same thing with your friends, your business, everything. Like there's so much, you know, correlating lines up with business and dating, you know? Yeah. And if you don't have respect for yourself, no one else can have respect for you either. Yeah. And it, it, it's back even to the personal responsibility thing. It's like, if you're seeing these things happen, you're going to throw them to the side and not actually pay attention to these minute details. It's a you problem. Like mm-hmm. these people around you, if, if people are constantly treating you like shit and not respecting you, it's probably not all the people's problem. Like it's probably just you yeah. allowing copious amounts of disrespect, which mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a really important message, whether it be for dating or business or whatever it is. And I think a lot of people, they just don't have that self-respect, but that's what you get also, I think, from taking all the personal responsibility because you mm-hmm. develop the internal confidence to – like I've even talked to John about something. I don't want to go too into detail about it, but we ask guests to be on the podcast and stuff. And like, I have a pretty hard rule in my head about how I stand yeah. on that kind of stuff of like, what's going to happen in the future with stuff. Cause I'm like, man, it just, I'm not going to get kicked around out here yeah. of like stuff like that. It's just, I will not tolerate that stuff. And I love to hear that from you too. It's, it's so impressive the way you put it as well. You should give yourself a lot of credit for that. Thank you, bro. Appreciate <laughs> I also Thank think you. too, like that's, it goes hand in hand with like your business when you let little things like go through the cracks or just making the decision. Listen, I don't care what anyone else says. Like all the returns are write offs this year. Like that mm-hmm. is what, that is my decision. That's what I'm doing. And I don't want to hear anyone else's opinion about it. Cause like, that's what I'm doing. If you don't like that, that's fine. I think like these like little holds, you're like, I'm so sick of, holding legos for three years i'm just not doing it anymore like i don't want to mm-hmm. listen to lego invest like i'm just not doing it and just staying away from that stuff and i think when you do you're like ah whatever like one more set one more and then before you know it, you have a hundred sets and you're like how did i get here and i heard i forgot what i was listening to the other day i've never heard this before but they're like no one goes bankrupt overnight it's mm-hmm. like years and years of just these little tiny decisions or oh, bad moves. Man. And they just all of a sudden one day they all hit. And yeah. there's like one, like what you were saying, like one knockout blow. And now it's like, like what happened? So, well, yeah. you bought like this bad business, that bad business, <laughs> or like even buying stuff for Amazon. You're like, you have this, you buy a couple bad buys. And then before you know it, like all your profit is going to these bad buys because you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to like what your numbers or what's going on. What was the future look like for you? Because I, I, I didn't know a lot about you before having this podcast, but I think that I will say, I think you have like an innate talent for speaking as well. So I think you might have a motivational speaking career up your alley. If, you, if no one's told you that already, it, you're Thank very you. impressive the way you put this stuff. So what's kind of your future outlook for stuff, maybe outside or inside Amazon, whatever, because I know you already said you wanted two mil, but I'm sure you want yeah. bigger things as well. Definitely. definitely. Honestly, um, I'm very simple in how I live my life and how I like, plan and goals and stuff um i i this is probably not something that a lot of people agree with like i am not i'm not a big goal maker like i don't like write my yearly goals down my monthly my six month my year my five month my 10 year because i would say there is probably a 99.9 percent chance that i'm not going to follow through with not not to say that i don't want to win and i don't want to grow as a person like i kind of like 
you know, look at my success in life and in business on a day-to-day thing. So like what everything, like I woke up today, I got up, you know, I drank a couple bottles of water. I had my coffee. I had, you know, my celery juice, you know, I, I'm doing healthy things to my body. I'm reading. I was listening to an audio book. You know, I got a little workout in, you know, I went and ran a couple errands. I came here back, I, you know, I did this thing with you. I'll come back every day. I'll go do a few hours of work, you know, which is going to make me money, grow my business. And I feel good when I work. And so like, I do all these little things daily that make, that help me win today. Like all, all I want to do is be successful today. I want to win today. So at the end of the day, that I have a successful day as far as that I take care of my body, that I eat good. Like I, I, eat, I eat unhealthy sometimes. So I, I love to eat like crap, but I also take care of my body more than I, you know, than I don't. So at the end of the day, I'm like, did I drink enough water? Did I take vitamins? Did I get a workout? Did I go for a walk? Did I go, you know, am I doing all these little things that I read? Did I work on my education today? Did I have an hour every day? I try to have at least an hour or two of downtime. Whether I want to sit and scroll Instagram reels, TikTok, want to watch a movie, like I do everything that I enjoy. And then at the end of the day, it's like, I'm successful. I did healthy things for my body, for my life, and my business. And I just want to continue to do that daily. And I know I'm going to be where I need to be at in a year or five years or 10 years. Um, So that's kind of how I look at success on that way. I know like uh, I have this conversation with friends over the years and uh, almost everybody that I know is keeping goals. Everyone I know that is successful keeps goals, but I just, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm lazy. I don't know. But like, I feel good. So I just double down on what's working for me. You know, I love the fast. I love the juice. I love the diet and just, you know, take care of my body. And I, and also I'm really big on too, like, if you work on every area of your life, even a little bit, you know, go for a 10 minute walk mm-hmm. today, you know, eat a couple of apples, you know, do a couple small things, you know, instead of drinking a 12 pack of soda today, why don't you drink 11 sodas in one bottle of water, you know, do little things that you can sustain. Like, you know, like I know I have like friends that are like getting to working out and it's like, boom, I'm at the gym three hours a day for 90 days. And then they stop altogether and they never go back. Like I would rather do a 20 minute workout five days a week for the rest of my life as opposed to mm. going to the gym three hours yeah. a day for a month and then stopping and never working out again. So like I kind of just build my life to what can I do healthy for my life that I can sustain for the rest of my life. I do that with my friendships, my relationships and my business and like everything works out. I keep every, you know, I keep my stress in life to my, in my life to a minimum. Don't tolerate any BS. And, you know, continue to grow and to hang out with people that are growing also, you know, in, in the areas that you're growing in. And, like, honestly, you're going to be successful in anything you do. Your relationships, like, you know, make sure your relationship, if you're in a relationship, make sure that's healthy. Make sure you guys are growing. Make sure you're on the same page. Make sure you communicate. You know, don't be with someone who's going to shoot you down or tear you down. You know, like, if you're if you're a guy in your relationship, if you have a girl that's constantly testing you, like, you know, trying to, like, belittle you or, like, you know, kind of, like, argumented argumentative in the sense of like okay i'm gonna you know do this no no i want to do this you know who's constantly just trying to get like that woman doesn't respect you and if she doesn't respect you then you're gonna have a lower self-worth you're gonna feel crappy about yourself well then guess what your your diet's probably gonna fail because you're probably mm. looking to eat crappy food you're probably being lazy not working out you're probably like maybe getting lost in movies or video games which then you're you know your level you're you're lowering your self-worth every single day and then the next thing you know everything's failing in life and you wonder why so you need to have, you know, every day I think you need to work on all those things because then you're going to win in all areas of life. Obviously, you'll have some setbacks in certain areas, but like, especially if you're in a relationship, that's got to be to the core. That's got to be working because you can't have a crappy relationship and an amazing business. I feel they're going to even out and one of them is going to yeah. fall back and then they're both going to fall and then everything else falls like dominoes and then you're unhealthy, you're overweight, you're miserable, you're depressed. So, you know, make sure you're with somebody as a man, like I always like, I'm a big proponent on, I chase excellence, not women. 
So I grow <laughs> myself and I, I, I became the man that I needed to be to attract the woman that I want to be with. Like if you like, you want a woman that does this, this, and this, and this, like, are you a man that does all those things? Because mm. like attracts like. If you're yeah. you know, overweight, dishonest, you steal, you do a bunch of dumb stuff, well, guess what? Don't be upset when you attract a woman who's exactly like that. And then the relationship fails, you know? Attract people, like if you have a, a disagreement or maybe once in a while you have an argument, don't be with a girl who's going to be like, run out and go to the bar or something like that because you guys had a disagreement, you know? And she's like flirting with men, calling up like, Clearly, that's unhealthy and untoxic, you know, so it's just important to work on all the areas of your life, and then everything's going to flow in the right direction, and you're going to feel good, you're going to look good, and you're going to attract good, you know, if you do those things. Yeah, I love it. It's like you're disassociating from the outcome, and you're focusing on the input, like, instead of the output and stuff. I think that's... I don't, I don't really understand why all the goals and the big things, I've never been that person either. We did a goals podcast, but I even said, yeah, I bet yeah. none of these are even going to be my goal because I've constantly, I'm just focused on the inputs and like wherever mm -hmm. that takes me is what, because it, I don't see a huge value and I want to do X or I want to get X. It's like, well, yeah, but there's, you need to focus on what to do to get that type of things. Mm -hmm. And that seems exactly how you orient everything from business to girls to anything. You know, that's like, I think that's a perfect way to look at it. Cause if anything, if you focus on the inputs, you're probably going to get the outputs. But if you only focus on the output, I mean, you might not get that, you know, but if you yeah. focus on what you're doing day to day, guarantee you're going to get somewhere, which I think is like a wonderful 100%. way to look at that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. I do think it's important. Like we talk a lot about on the podcast, just about consistency and doing the right things. And I think it's a really big point that you made about kind of like, you got to be the person like you're not going to attract a person that you're not. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people do this when they hire virtual assistants or other people for their business. Like they're not a good sourcer. They're looking for a good sourcer. But if you're not a good sourcer, you can't teach them to be a good sourcer. Or 100%. if you don't know how to pack a box for FBA, like how are you supposed to tell Val to pack a box? Like mm -hmm. what is she supposed to do it? And then you're like, no, that's wrong. It's like, well, you don't know how to pack a box either. <laughs> and it's just this whole like, and then all these like little things add up. And then before you know it, it's like, why is this not working? And I think it's, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's a really important thing that you talk about. Yeah. Like we did a goals podcast. I'm already off on other, I thought I was going to do one thing this year. I've kind of like scrapped that already. And I think it's important just to stay flexible, especially with Amazon. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You're like, OA is not working out for me. Long time is like, I'm going to be the best Lego investor. Well, if like your stuff isn't <laughs> working for the first three months, maybe you're not. And like, you should pivot yeah. and start doing RA or doing something else with your life or whatever you want to do. So I do think when you're in business or doing anything really, the idea to be flexible and be able to pivot is just really helpful. And if you're doing like 80% of the right things, 90%, it makes it real easy to pivot into something else. Cause you already have that 100%. discipline of like doing good things. You just have to yep. do different good things. Yeah. Oh, John, you got any more questions? If not, we can do the lightning round. If you want to do that, hey, I feel like yeah. it's just flew, it flew by, but man, yeah. I love talking about this kind of like uh, deeper type of stuff. So it just flies by what you're talking Me about too. that kind of yeah. stuff. I'll do one more, then we'll get into lightning round. Um, what would your advice be for someone starting retail arbitrage? All right, man. That I feel like this question I'm I suck at answering because 
I, I kind of All right, like, everyone stop listening. Reverse the question in the sense of like, I was just on uh, Ricky Hustle's podcast a couple days ago and we had this, this conversation and it was like, if I personally had to start Amazon today, like, I don't know if I would win. Like, you know, mm, wow. uh, I'm very like old school on how I do Amazon. Like I, I'm not good with the softwares. I don't know how to use like tactical arbitrage really good. Like I know how to read Keepa and everything like that, and, but I'm not good. Like I'm not great at it. You know, there's people, I have friends that will like, will will look at a Keepa chart and I'm just like, how are you even like, like you talked about this Keepa chart for like 30 minutes. Like I looked at it for three seconds. Like, you know, like just the in depth, the way people think and like, I think one thing I think that a lot of the younger people do have an advantage of starting is that, like, younger people, like, you know, I, I didn't get my first computer, I think, until I was, like, 27 years old. We were broke super poor, so I didn't have computers and stuff. So, like, I, I, which is my fault. Like, I, it's my fault I'm not learning all the softwares. I easily could, so. But, like, you know, like, there's so many softwares out there now, and, like, I feel like the younger kids are just so much better and more natural at that type of stuff. Like, cause, like mm. you know, like, when you go to the Miami Seller Conference, like, there's people, like, half my age that are selling five, ten times the amount I'm selling, and they've been in the game for, like, three weeks, you know? Like, it's, it's just, like, wow. Like, it, it's so – that's one thing I really like about going to that event is, like, because there's a lot, a lot of, like, mm. you know, 18 to 25-year-olds that are just, like, doing two, three, four, five, six, seven million a year, and it's just, like, wow. It's it's incredible. Like, so, it, you know, like, you know, and they're, like, yeah, I, I work, like, 10 hours a week, and I'm doing five million a year, you know? like you know and then like they, they they talk about how they're doing it like all the different softwares and how they run this to run this with the va to do this and it isn't like it's mind-blowing to me so like i think that's an advantage a lot of younger people have because they can go that route they can come in the game in a, a year and they're they're, they're out telling mm. me who's like traveling two hundred thousand miles around the country so like i'm i'm still like out there scanning I, I i go based off of memory and experience and feel and like you know like obviously yeah i don't I, one, I don't really care to ever become a $5 million or $10 million seller. I don't think I'll ever do it. Yeah. I have to like, put myself down and say I can't. Like, I know I could, but I just don't have the desire to do it. Like, I'm really happy with where I'm at. I want to have a good business and a good life. Just a, mm. a nice, healthy balance of both, you know? So I continue, like, um, you know, I, I work on my, you know, I say this, said this a million, million times in the past. Like, I work harder on myself than I do on my business. Like, if I continue to grow, put all everything into me, then my business will naturally grow a little bit every year. And I'm, and I'm totally fine with that. So it's like, you know, you know, with the young kids starting today, like, yeah, you have access to so many great, amazing softwares that you could spend a month learning. And then boom, the next thing you know, you're, you're spending a hundred grand a month doing OA. Like, so it's like, I, I feel like I just would not be good at, like I said, sorry, long, long answer short is like, I wouldn't very, I'm not very good at telling people how to get started today. Cause like my advice would be go in the store, start scanning. And then they'll go out and scan. They're like, this is a freaking waste of time. I'm just going to go learn the software that does all this for me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> well uh, lightning stuff do you want to start first yeah uh let's see what's the most you've lost at a at the casino in one night and what's the most you've won good question uh <laughs> uh the most i've ever lost at the casino in one night i would say is probably 500 bucks um, okay. mixture of slot machines, video poker, uh, and this usually happens when I'm with <laughs> ASD friends and like you get and everyone's psyching each other up and like people are dropping four grand on, on, on black, <laughs> on roulette. And I'm like, oh man, all right, I'm going to put a hundred out, you know, and then I lose, I start chasing losses. And like, it's, it's usually when we're out 
crazy and everyone's just gambling and having a good time. Like people that don't like, I live in Vegas. So like, I'm not, you know, like I can go to the casino anytime I want, but they put my friends that come for ASD. They come once a year. They want to go hard, you know, for one night. And then I get caught up and having fun. We're having fun. We're winning together. We're losing and we're crying together, you know? So like, <laughs> I'd say probably like five, 600 bucks. And it was, you know, definitely during an ASD night. And then the most I've ever won, I had uh, my friend, uh, Jose, from, I met at the Miami Seller Conference. We shared an Airbnb together. He flew out here for work last year, and we met up one night, and I was like, dude, let's stick 50 bucks each in the slot in, into this video poker machine, and we'll split whatever we win. He's like, all right, cool, blah, 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 put in the 50 bucks, or, you know, 100 bucks. We got up to, like, 150, and then I don't know if you, if you guys know poker at all. We are playing video poker. You get dealt five cards, and we got dealt, like, 10 jack, king, ace of hearts or something like that. So we needed a queen of hearts or a queen of clubs to complete a royal flush. So when we pulled out the video camera, I'm like, bro, videotape this just in case we hit it. And I and I hit the thing, boom, and the freaking queen of hearts popped out. And there was a bunch of people watching and we were just like cheering and it was like we hit we hit the we hit a royal flush for four grand um off wow. five dollars that. And that's the most I've ever won at the at, at uh at the casino in one night. <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. That's what I like about Jameson. It always when we like meet up or we'll go into an RA store, it's like, all right, like whatever we find, we split. Or it's like, or it's like, oh, we're going to bet on. It's like always just like very, you know, working together or like, let's do this together instead of being like, oh, if you win, you buy the drink. It's just more like, hey, let's do this together or let's buy this together. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I like winning with my friends because, like, you know, obviously when I go to the casino with friends, like we all gamble. Some win, some lose, some lose, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, so there's a different mood for everybody because somebody may have lost 100. He lost 1,000. He won 5,000. So it's like, you know, I like to, I, when I go to the casino with friends, I'm like, hey, yo, it's at least do one slot machine where we all pitch in and like split. So that way, if we all win, we're all feeling good. We're all having a good time together. Same thing when I go sourcing with people. Like, if I, if I don't source with people. Like, if we don't, if we go do RA together, I tell people before we go, we're splitting everything 50 50. Like, if you don't like that, then you can go shop on your own because to me, like, if you're going to go to the store and you're going to find a hundred pairs of Nike shoes or whatever it may be. And then it's like, you're keeping them. And then like, I found like a pair of socks. Like I wouldn't do that to you. If I found a hundred of one, like I've gone sourcing tons of times with tons of people, whatever I find, if I find 200 of this, 50 of that, 20 of that, I'm giving you half every single time. You know, I want you to win. I want to win. I want us both to win. And then I hope we can learn and we can teach each other things that we can both, we can grow both in our business separately. So when I go sourcing with people, like if they're not down to like split and stuff like that, like I won't go sourcing with them again. Makes sense. You got any more or is it me? Oh, uh, yeah, I have a couple more. Uh, what's the most you've lost on a single ASIN and what'd you learn from it? Good question. Um, Jameson's pulling up his inventory labs right yeah, now. Yeah, dude, there's so many of them, bro. Um, I would say I bought during the like whole pandemic thing. Uh, I had somebody come with me to buy. I um, it was like thirty thousand dollar buy for one toy skew, and I was just kind of dumb, excited. And I was like, yes, let's do it. Blah, 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 blah. I was like 15 bucks. This thing was selling for like 50. It was an LOL item, which nobody, you know, not many people can sell. I'm like, all right, dude, this is going to be good. And then it's like, boom, Amazon hadn't been in stock on it for a long time. And when they did come in stock, they would be selling it for 50, 60 bucks. And it was like, they looked like they shared the buy box. Everything looked good. I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe. And I knew I probably still shouldn't have done it 
because it was going to be, you know, a three, four, sell, three, four year sell through rate. And then boom, I get them, send them to the prep center and then I'm sending them in and then boom, Amazon stays on them at 25 bucks for like a year. And so I'm just like, crap, I was holding on to them for like six months at Amazon. They're not small either. And so finally I started dumping them at 25 bucks. I paid 15 and they're, you know, they're, they're a bigger yeah, size big toy. So I'm yeah. losing like 60%, you know, on them and I'm selling down, selling down, you know, paying storage at the prep and like all in all, I'm like, crap, I'm going to probably lose, you know, freaking 20 K on this buy. And I paid 30 for it. Um, thankfully, <laughs> Amazon sell, sold out, they stayed out, and then, you know, Christmas ended up coming around, and I was able to sell a ton of them at, like, 50 bucks, and so on the back end, I started making money. Um, I still have a few more left to sell through, but I would say that was probably this one of the scariest buys. I think I'm going to probably end up breaking even on it or making a small profit after everything, because I, I sold, like, over a 1,000 of them at, like, a 60% loss, and now my last end of them I'm making money on but with the beginning so I'll see at the end how much I end up winning or losing on it total once I sell out but like that was probably one of the most scariest situations that I've been in because I dropped 30k in one few and that was probably not probably that was stupid that was a <laughs> dumb mistake <laughs> oh man and then uh last one uh what's the most you've made on an ASIN a single ASIN um Actually, I'm gonna show it to you. I found my shelf. Let me grab it real quick. Oh, Bolo! Here we go. Um, so during COVID, um, it's a Fakai. It's a shampoo. They no longer make it anymore. This is my last one that I have left. I have it on my shelf as just for you know, as a reminder, reminder just whatever kind of trophy or whatever you call it. Um, so during COVID, and COVID was just a booster. Like it, it just would have done well without it being COVID. So they, they ended up discontinuing this, like, I don't know, recipe for shampoo. I don't know what the heck you call it, how they make it, but they re-released it with a different formula or something. But people really liked this one. And so you could sell it in a two-pack or you could break it open and sell them in singles. And I was go I was living in New Jersey at the time. I was going to all the Bed Bath & Beyond, all the Harmon Face Values, which was owned by Bed Bath & Beyond, like a little regional Jersey store. And I was ordering these from Bed Bath & Beyond until they freaking banned me. I ordered like 40 or 50K in buy cost of this in like a month. And then eventually they banned me. And so I sold, I made probably over, let's say about over a six month period. I think I made probably like a hundred grand profit on oh it. My, wow. Um, maybe a little less. I don't remember exactly, but it was like, it. this was the only item that I was selling during COVID. And, and it would have done just as fine, probably. Maybe it was selling a little faster because of COVID. People weren't going out as much. But it was discontinued, and people just really wanted it because they weren't. They stopped making it, so it was like a recipe for success, you know, a mixture of being discontinued mm. and COVID. And so I was buying like Bed Bath and Beyond. So uh, I was buying uh, coupon, Bed Bath and Beyond coupons on eBay, like stacks. So I still have like a thousand of them in my closet, <laughs> but I was buying them for like thirty cents a piece, you know, stacks and stacks and stacks. And I would go to this store called Harmon Face Values, which closed when um, Bed Bath and Beyond closed. So you'd need a coupon for every one of these and every one you'd get 20% off on. So these were like 20, these retailed for like 20 bucks each, 25 bucks each, but Harmon Face Values and Bed Bath & Beyond would sell these for like 30 for a two pack. And then I would get 20% off on top of that. And then I would bust them out, do two packs. Do, do, do. I, I sold them across, you know, probably 20 or 30 different ASINs. Cause there was different, you know, flavors, not flavors, like 
smells, so I don't know what sense, you know, yeah. for, you know, and so I, it was a, a bunch of different Aces, but it was all this one shampoo brand. And I, yeah, I think I made like around maybe 90 or 100K over like six months, you know, selling it. How'd you find it? Were you just randomly scanning? So I randomly found it at Target while they were clearancing it. And there was one that was really good. It was a pink one. And I sent it in and I made like 10 bucks on it. And then I kind of forgot about it for a couple of months. And then I like just randomly like, you know, going through COVID before like COVID and I was just like not finding stuff, you know, you couldn't really shop for toys. So it was like, I, I walked in the Bed Bath & Beyond and I saw this and I'm like, oh, I remember selling this a few months back. Let me check it. And I'm like checking eBay, checking Amazon because the prices were a lot higher than retail. And I'm like, yo, what's going on here? And I was like doing research. I found out online that they changed the formula. They, they discontinued this one. But they, it was still everywhere in New Jersey. I'm like, I'm driving up to freaking New Jersey. I'm going to Pennsylvania. I'm going to Maryland. I'm clearing out every single Bed Bath & Beyond and Harmon Face Value. I would fill my car up top to bottom. Dude, I smelled like a freaking, dude, I smelled like a freaking salon, like in my house and in my car. Like, to this day, this still smells like it smelled like four years ago. Um, and I sent in a few of the tests. They all sold like instantly. I kept going back and back and back, and they were just flying. Like I was selling, you know, I, I, I forget how many units I sold, but I sold thousands, like thousands of units across all the ASINs. And it was literally probably, I would say, probably 95% of what I was selling for that six months during COVID. There's maybe a couple other things here and there, but it was like pretty much 90% all of this shampoo. Wow. And then That's I was insane. down to like my last four or five bottles. And then I got a letter in the mail from a lawyer saying that you're not allowed to sell this. And I'm like, all right, I'm done. Like I did good. <laughs> I can't find them anymore. I've got like four or five left at Amazon, and then I just removed them all. And then like this, this one showed up like two years later randomly, and I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna keep this. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, okay, but I only have two questions because you kind of already answered one. Uh, one, uh, I saw you do some like juice stuff. I don't know if you're still into that. I was looking through the Instagram. If you had one juice concoction that you could recommend to anyone, like the general person to take, what would that be? Good question. Um, so I'm really big on detoxing and just kind of like remove toxins and stuff out of your body. So I would probably say apple, beet, carrot, ginger, and lemon. One, it tastes absolutely amazing. And two, like it's good for detox. You get good roots in you. You get things. I'm, I'm super big on juicing. Like I'm, I, I, I guess I won't get like too in depth in it because it can go a different direction. But like I, uh, like 10 years ago, I saw a documentary called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. And this guy that was on it was super fat. He was on tons of medications. He was on tons of different things. He looked like really bad. And he did a 60-day juice fast. And he recorded his, he documented the entire thing. He lost like 100 pounds. And he was on like, I don't know, 10 or 15 different medications for, you know, just all unhealthy stuff with his body. And after that 60 days, he got off every single medication he was ever prescribed. And I'm like, damn, that freaking was so cool. Like, because at the time, like I was diagnosed, you know, when I was younger with manic depression and bipolar and like, you know, a bunch of other stuff. And I was on all these medications that made me feel worse. They made me feel more depressed, more tired. I would stay in bed all day long. I didn't want to do anything. I felt like crap. And then a mixture of manic episodes of super big highs and super big lows. And I saw that documentary and then slowly over like a year, I was able to get off all those medications. And to this day, just 10 years short, I had and I don't take anything for mental illness anymore. Like I do everything naturally now and I feel better than I ever have. And I'm super big. Like, you know, like I won't, you know, like I think a lot of the crap that we eat, like we're, you know, whether you want to say intentionally or unintentionally, we're being poisoned. 
you know, with yep. the crap we mm -hmm. eat and refined sugar is be one of the worst things I think anybody can eat. Like that is if you cut out refined sugar from candy, soda and stuff like that out of your diet, you would notice your mental your mental just way of life and how you think, maybe your depression or anxious or anxiety, that would like level out almost to like non existent if you got if you cut that out of your diet. Um, and I'm just super big on trying to do things naturally and not have to take medications, you know, for the rest of my life to, to feel normal. I think a lot of those things we can handle on our own can be done on your own, but not for everybody. It just works for me. I don't want anyone to see this. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I yeah. do all my medications and now it's your fault. <laughs> but we're not doctors. We're not yeah. doctors. I'm not a doctor. Dude, talk to your physician before you do anything crazy. <laughs> All that this, stuff. Isn't, this isn't tax advice. Yeah, this isn't tax. We're, we're do, we just sell stuff on Amazon. This is not professional advice. Well, they kind of, but before I asked the last one, I follow a guy named Brute DeForce on Twitter. He runs these big spaces. I don't know if you guys are aware of him. And he said that he thinks in the next 10, 15, 20 years or whatever, instead of people saying you lose your mind, he'll say, he said that it'll change to you've lost your gut. And it's basically exactly what you're saying of, you know, all this mental stuff that happens with people. A lot of it is just your gut and like all these toxins in your body. Mm -hmm. And it's really not your mind because a lot of these things can literally be healed by your diet. Because whatever you're yep. putting in your body is like what's going to, you know, happen to your brain. And your gut and your brain are super connected as well. A bunch of books and documentaries and stuff on that. So that's interesting because I think you're early on on that. I think in 20 years we might look and that might be what people say. It's like they didn't lose their mind. They just lost their gut. Like it just <laughs> – their health exploded through what they were putting in their body. And then the last thing, uh, which I'm sure you'll have an interesting one for this one, what's the one piece of advice you have for someone that's going through something extremely difficult in life right now? Is anybody watching this? I'm sure everybody has something in their life that they're going through. What would be your one piece of advice that you could give them? Man, that is a great question. Well, I would say two things. I mean, there's so much we could say, and it's on the spot. I'm not very good at thinking of stuff like <laughs> one, like you're not alone. There are so many people that go through stuff like this. And like, you know, obviously we just did a little hour, you know, chat or whatever. So like you only get a small tidbit, like it sucks when you're going through stuff like this and like, you feel you don't have anybody, especially like, you know, with men. And obviously that this could be a whole podcast right here on this subject is that like, unfortunately the average man doesn't have anyone to talk to. No one gives a crap about your problems. No one's going to listen to you. If you're going through it, guess what? You got to suck that up and you just got to deal with it. You're a man. That's what men do. So it's like you go through your whole life bottling everything up because you're not allowed to show emotion. You're not allowed to talk about your feelings, you know? And so it's like all this builds and builds and builds and one day you're going to explode, you know? And I thought that my whole life that I'm supposed to be a man. You can't cry. You can't act like a you know, be whatever, da, 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 you got to do it. And so it's like, you bottle all this up and then you go through life. And of course you wonder why you're not happy, you know, because you're bottling all this stuff up. You have to, you know, like I, but there's multiple things you can do to, to, to relieve that one. I'm, I'm big on, you know, I, I journal. And it's just, I am only one that reads this. Whatever's on your, in your mind, get it out. Like your brain is not a filing cabinet, you know, mm. get all your problems out, whatever it is you're going through, let it out. Like you're going to feel better one by doing that Two, Like, one thing that I super duper struggled with, and even like, I would say like six years ago, five years ago, I still struggled with it. It's like, I was doing all these things to better my life, but I still would look in the mirror and I didn't love myself. I didn't have no self-worth. You know, it was still fairly low. And a buddy of mine introduced me to a book called uh, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And yeah. I would highly, highly recommend that book. That book was probably, I would say, you know, one of the most pivotal books that I've ever read in my life. It helped me build a solid foundation to becoming the man that I am today. And it just like, he has, he teaches a lot of different things, but like, it's so simple. But in the book, he's like, 
you know, yeah, say out loud, I love myself, I love myself, like hundreds of times a day, like literally, like within a week, you'd be saying it thousands of times. You just keep walking around your house if you're working. I mean, if you're not, you know, if you're alone, obviously, if you're out at Target and Walmart, <laughs> I love myself, you know, but keep saying that after like a week, I started to believe it. And then I was able to naturally get into better things. But like, um, sorry, back a little off topic there, but like, um, you know, there's, you can change. Don't let anybody, I know a lot of people, like if you're living down here, you know, whatever, if you're, you know, just the mindset of the people, everyone around you is like that. Like generally like, like I said, like attracts like. So like I grew up around a lot of toxic people. I was a toxic person as well. You know, poverty mindset. You know, it's kind of like you've seen the movie Toy Story where it's like the guy's playing the claw game and he like grabs one of the guys out, but then everyone's pulling the thing back down. That's what people in your life are going to subconsciously do to you. Especially if you're around a lot of toxic people. It's not that they're intentionally trying to pull you back in. It's just a natural thing. So it's like it's hard to change and get out and people be pulled right back down into it. It's like you've got to cut ties from toxic people. It is hard. It hurts. The world is going to tell you you're wrong. You're a bad guy. Like I had to cut, you know, you know, parents, family, friends out of my life. And they're always like, oh, you can do that to your family, blah, 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 blah. But like if your family keeps pulling you down. Like at one point you decide to, okay, it's time to cut that person off completely or continue to allow that to happen to you. And, you know, I made the decision to walk away from family and friends. And it was very hard. And it took me years to heal and grow from that. And I felt like crap for years because, you know, when you heavily, you know, if you bumped into family or had a quick conversation on Facebook, they would always bring it up like, oh, you're a piece of, you know, you're mean, you're a bad person from walking away from them. How could you do that? That's your X, Y, Z. And it's like, you know, you're, you're getting pulled back down in the freaking the, the frickin claw machine again. And you have to do what's best for you. Like, if you want to heal, be happy, be healthy, you need to be around people that are doing those things. You know, like my coach told me many years ago, it was like, and this is not like sounded stuck advice, but it was just kind of like a metaphor. And like, but it just, it worked for me. He was like, you need to find out what poor minded people are doing and stop doing it. You know, where the poor-minded people are mm-hmm. going, you need to stop going there. What the poor, poor-minded people watch, you need to stop watching that. And obviously, like, it's, it's not like this is set some advice, but it just kind of opened my mind to, like, wow, all the things that I'm doing, the type of people that do that, like, I don't want to be around those people, so then why am I doing this behavior? And so I was able to shift and stop doing those things, and slowly it took years. You know, it took years of saving up, building up, and eventually I was able to get away from all that stuff. And now I'm happy, I'm healthy, and I feel good about myself. I can look in the mirror and say, I love myself. I value who I am as a human. And when you do all these things, eventually you don't take no crap from nobody either. And that's why people don't bring crap to people like that because they know you're not going to take it. Like, Mm. I'll stick with my decision. Like, say there's 100 people in the room, and I'm going to say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. And then, like, say the other 99 are going to go do that. A lot of people will go follow that just to be with the group. I'm going this way regardless. You guys are come, You guys are welcome to come with me. If you don't want to, that's fine, but I'm still going this way, whether I'm with people or I'm alone. Like, I'm going to do what's best, what I feel is the best decision to make the best outcome. And same thing with when you're in relationships, too. Like, you know, uh, I'm kind of old school in the sense where, like, I know I need to, you know, I'm uh, I you know, leader, provider, protector, like I'm, that's me. That's what I works in my relationship. And I know if I make the right decisions to lead the relationship, like they're naturally going to follow, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to shit test you. Like if you're in a relationship and your girl's always shit testing you, like you're like, okay, let's do this. No, 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 let's do this. Okay. Let's go here. No, 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 let's go do this. You know? And it's like, I think I should do this in my business. No, no, you should do this. Like constantly. That means, you know, 
one, she probably doesn't respect you as much as you think she does. And two, maybe you're not being a good leader also, you know, because if you were mm-hmm. leading in the right direction, there, pro- there would be less shit tests in the relationship and in life. Like the more you make bad decisions, the more shit tests you're going to have to face. And so I guess that was a long answer, but honestly, yeah, too, awesome. man, like I believe in you too. If you're seeing this, you're going through it. I believe in you. If you, you know, have any questions, honestly, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm happy to chat with people. Like I love getting messages of people saying, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm going through this, da, 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 da. And like, you know, seeing your thing, like I, I made a lot of horrible mistakes in my life and I hope that people can learn from that. And then, so it, it, it feels really good when I know the shitty things I've done in my life that I learned to grow from and get out of that I can help other people not make those mistakes or minimize the, the mistake of them going through the same thing. Like I, I'm glad I went through the fire. So, so maybe somebody else doesn't have to. Yeah. I would just one last thing to add to that. I think too, is like, you never know who's watching. Mm. I mean, we were at the conference in Kansas and someone came up to both of us and was like, Oh, I was like depressed and suicidal. Like you guys and watched your content. Now I'm a seven figure seller. Like I've never left a comment, I've never DM'd any of you guys, but like, thank you. So you just yeah. never know who's watching. So like exactly. share your stuff, put it out there. You just never know. And one, one little thing too, is like, this is one thing I learned from Gary B. Like, he's like, yeah, you may make content. You may make videos. They may not get millions or thousands of views. They may get 10 views, but maybe what if one of those views is the right view? Like, what if you, you know, like you said, that one person that came up to the conference, like that was the right view. That was the right person. There were 50 people in that room, but it was, you know, so like when you make a video and you put something out there, like who cares if it gets a hundred views? What if the right hundred people see that? You know, that's probably more impact than if it got a million views and it didn't, you know, it didn't help anybody. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Unbelievable. Where can yeah, people so find you? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Jameson Philippi, uh, and that's where I hang out most of the time. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Oh, got any parting words? Um, I love you. I believe in you. And you can do anything in this world that you want to do, baby. It's pretty cliche, but it's true. <laughs> Boom. All right. Peace. All right.